This is Who You Know with Dmitry Samarov. Today uh, I talked to Nancy Carey about her uh, long and winding uh, career or careers, starting with uh, painting, uh, actually before that starting with writing as a child, uh, making books, then into painting, uh, into running her own bakery, then teaching pastry, uh, and many other tangents and uh, side paths and uh, what the future may hold. Uh, we also settle once and for all that she graduated a year ahead of me at the school School of the Art Institute, which she disputes every time we get together. I know you'll enjoy this talk as much as I did. No, not not like this. I was thinking about that, that this is like unusual. Oh, really? Yeah, when I was at Red Hen, I did. But... Do you see uh, what's open, what just opened where Red Hen used to be? Yeah, Mindy's. Basically. Yeah. That's that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's Mindy Siegel. Do you remember we used to do the bread? Her we used to do. She was one of our wholesale accounts. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I ever. Was that later or something? No, remember when we delivered to Marche, and then we used to deliver to MK. Oh, did was she was she, she was the, the chef at? Chef, yeah. Oh, was she? I didn't know she was at Marche. I delivered to Marche a couple of times. Yeah, so she was the pastry chef at Marche. But that was before she broke off on her own and had her yeah that hot chocolate and hot stuff. Chocolate. But you guys didn't do hot chocolate, right? Or no? Was that I, after? I, that was after I left. So that's what I thought. I guess I always think of her connected with hot chocolate, which is a place I never went to. Yeah, I went a I couple know. times. Yeah. But, um, so now she's like in the old red hen place. That's kind of funny. It's it's wild. Yeah. It, I I don't know how. I mean, I'm I'm excited for her. Yeah. Because I think it's it looks like it's a great place and. She's, um, you know, she's worked so hard, and she's a really good baker and pastry chef. So, wasn't she like best. super involved with all that th all that pot? Yeah, yeah. The pot brownie, like the fancy pot brownie. She's well, still she, doing no, that. She's got or? like it's like a chocolate line. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I believe she's her Mindy's chocolates. I think is what it's called. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know her at all. Uh, she was she's really palsy walsy with uh, with Tony Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah, for a time, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if you know still... these over oversized ego, like these giant personalities. But yeah. yeah, she would hang around. Is she would come by the studio a lot, like when I was driving him around. So that's the only context I know mm -hmm. her in, really, because I yeah I'd forgotten that she was. He knew. He knows so many people. He's one of those people. Yeah, I don't know how well he knows any of them, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to talk about Tony. <laughs> this is not what we're here for. <laughs> So what was, like, what was, when you were little, living in this same house, right? Uh -huh. What was the what was the first dream that you can remember? Like, what were you going to be when you grew up? Um, a writer. Yeah? Yeah, I always wanted to be a writer. Like, what kind of, like, where did that come from? I don't know. Like, I would draw out these characters, and then I would sit down, and I had this um, desk, you know, like a, cl a classroom desk, and I would make it into um, 
I would pretend I was being a writer, and I would like sit down, and I would, oh, which was sitting to you was sitting at a desk, and, and like getting started, like I had put together all the papers, I stapled them all together, I drew like a cover, and oh, so you're making a book? Yeah, I was gonna write a book. <laughs> then I realized I got to the part of writing, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of went, no, nope, that's not. I don't know what to do. You know. Um, Do you have a typewriter or no? no this no. was all just handwritten. Hand, yeah, yeah. So that was um, it. Was that or um, being a vet? I had a ton of. Um, How old were you when you were making these books? The, when you had the desk, and right, probably like six, seven. You know, when I was little, I just always want. I, I just had this thought that I wanted to write stories. Mm. Like that was my. Um, and what were you, were you reading? Like, uh, was it like whatever, like Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew kind of books? No, or, or no, I mean, what kinds of books were you write? Can, did you imagine that I you'd be writing? You know, I, 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 it was definitely uh, relational books, meaning pe pe I wanted to write about people and their connections. That seemed mm. to be the most important thing to me. Like, I would draw all these figures and how they were connected. So, like, it was almost, like family. Yeah, like people, Families? all different people. And so I would think to myself, okay, how can I write the words that make them all connected? But I didn't have um, any idea of how to actually get it started. Do you huh. know what I'm saying? So it was one of those things where I just kind of... Well, that seems a lot further along than... Like, yeah, I, can, I can't remember when I was six, but I don't think I can remember six. But that's, that's, that's already very complicated. But like, what, can you remember? Were there more than one starts of these books? Or, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like so a, you, when you get in trouble and you're in your room all day. Like oh, like oh, the, you're like grounded or something. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah, stuck yeah. in your I room and like, you had right. to sit at your desk. I'm, and this is the what you would do. Well, so I, I, you know, as you know, I'm one of nine kids, and my room was the pass-through room. Nobody wanted to share a bedroom with me, so I, my room is a pass-through room. Uh -huh. So there's two bedrooms upstairs. Yeah, and a bathroom. And you had to walk through my room to get to the other bedroom or the bathroom. It's like a like those old New York Railroad apartments, exactly. you know, like where you have to. It's just one, like train <laughs> one car, get, yeah, like exactly. a train car. <laughs> like, and that's how it was. And in you my, pass through. So I, huh. even though I was like potentially grounded or in trouble or whatever, I had everybody would be walking in and out of my. Room. That's crazy that with nine kids, how many? But they weren't all in the house, right? Were oh, they yeah. ever? They were. Everybody was, yeah. and everybody had a room. Well, how, so how could they have a room? Upstairs with the five that? girls. Uh huh. And so we had two bedrooms, and then the pass-through room, and then um, in the room off the kitchen, that it no longer is, uh -huh. um, was Tim and Paul. Okay. Um, and then my mom and dad had their room, and then Meg had the room, which is my office. Uh huh. And then down here. Um, was Bob and Jack. Oh, and Karen, yeah, Karen had a room upstairs too. So, um, yeah, so we were all, it's a bungalow though, so you know, it's like there's a lot of room in bungalows. Yeah. You make it work. It's fun, yeah, it's funny, yeah, what, what people do. I mean, I grew up the first, let's see, six years of my life in a room with my parents and then uh, three of those years with my younger brother mm -hmm. was in a room in a communal apartment yeah. with a three, I think three, three or four families, wow. one kitchen, one bathroom. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very, very different kind of living than, you know, most Americans, especially middle-class Americans. Did you have a loft uh, or anything or was it? They just built a loft, uh, 
that was a big, big memory. Uh, but that was within a very dim memory, them building a loft when my little brother came along because mm -hmm. they needed some like some escape right alone time it was kind of a library but it was wooden like it was a giant room uh it was a big room that i think that building had in an earlier time uh it was in moscow had been a theater mm -hmm. so there were very high ceilings oh that's so th cool so there was enough room to build like a wooden like kind of lofted area and it was kind of like a library kind of I think they they probably had like a couch up there and some books. Uh -huh. I don't know, and they could probably get away from us. Right. But I remember a big problem was uh, Boris, my little brother, like going up the stairs, you know, crawling up the stairs mm -hmm. when he was a baby. I mean, when we left, Boris is only three, three and a half. And you? He were? was three. Uh, I was seven. Yeah, I was gonna say seven. Yeah, yeah our, our age difference is three and a half years. So the yeah. fear was that he was going to fall or something. Yeah, he he would go up. Yeah, he had to be he had to be kind of watched because he wanted to crawl up there. You yeah. know, it was dangerous because it wasn't. I mean, it was just a bunch of friends got together. They weren't like carpenters. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think this thing was would have passed any inspections. But right. you know, this is a place and a time where you had to jerry rig everything. You know, I just don't know how. You know, three four families and a bunch of people like would marshal out, like, slot out the, the, the kitchen and bathroom times. I mean, that, that just seems like a friggin' nightmare. Uh, and, yeah, I have no memory of that. Well, in some yeah. ways, though, it's the, it's the kind of antithesis of what we're dealing with now, which is everybody's so separated. Yeah. And in that context, it's like you're just in, you're, you're inundated with people. You're, you're... But in that way, I guess, uh, yeah, you and I have a little bit, so, so, well, you had each had just one family of so many people. <laughs> it's roughly the same amount of people probably in total. We had less space than this. Yeah. You know, like, it was just a big apart. it was a big apartment that I think had been chopped down from an even bigger apartment. Like, it had been a luxury apartment that was uh -huh. chopped down. Why did they choose to live, or was it a choice, or was it that's all they could afford, or how did that come about? It, it passed down from, I think my grandparents had lived in there, mm -hmm. uh, and then... In a communal kind yes, of context. Yes, they, they had it, they had passed, yeah, over, and yeah, this is all, you know, during, you know, communist times, right. so everything was very, very regimented, and everything had to be applied for in central, you know, but there was, there was always workarounds, and yeah, they had lived in there. I don't know if they were in the same room. I don't, I don't remember. Like my mom had grown up in that in that apartment. Oh wow! Yeah. And my uh, there's a lady, a, a Russian ethnic Russian lady, from the country who was her nanny that became my nanny. Like you know, this is the same like woman who had never had kids also lived in that, and she had her, her own little room off the kitchen. Uh, and was there a communal room where people would, I mean, besides the kitchen and probably dining, was there a room, like a living room that people could I don't in? remember any living room. I, I, I dimly remember a hallway, you know, mm -hmm. between these, these rooms. I don't think, and I, I doubt that the people in, that were not, you know, related by blood were really friends. I, yeah, I imagine so it was very it was more, tense. Yeah. yeah. It was more like a like a rooming house kind of, you know, setup. you know what I mean? Interesting. So that's, yeah, uh, I mean, 
I don't remember where we ate. If we ate in the room, we, we must have eaten in the room we lived in. I don't remember, or if we ate in the kitchen. Or, yeah, we must have eaten in the kitchen. I gotta ask, gotta ask my parents about that. For some reason, I don't know. I don't, or I have no memory. would have brought it into your room. That's what I mean. I don't remember if we ate where we ate. Mm -hmm. But I know all of, most of life was just in that one room, you know? Could you imagine um, COVID in those the context of that? where you couldn't get out of the one room. You know, you got kids and there's elderly and you're sharing this apartment space, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, how complicated that would get. I mean, I know I know there's couple there's some couple I knew that where one of them got covid and the other didn't and they quarant like one person would quarantine in a, in a separate room in right. in the apartment, you mm -hmm. know, with like trays of food at the door <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Yeah, but in this context you wouldn't be able to. No. You know, you no. you don't have that. Space. No, you, yeah, you would ke keep getting re re uh, infected. Mm -hmm. I mean, that happened. My friend Wendy, who actually went to school with us, she used to be a painter. She became a flamenco dancer. Mm -hmm. She went on a she had a residency thing in Spain during COVID, and she yeah. went with her daughter. And they couldn't leave the country because first she got sick, then her daughter got sick, and they had to stay in this hotel room for weeks. Oh, wow. Like until they had enough, you know, negative tests to get out. Right. Like they had to do. They had to do a GoFundMe to get out of there because they lost all this time and and she makes a living like teaching dance. Right. You know, like. Well, and my <laughs> understanding is like, you know, your load, your viral load, it like, may not go down for months. Yeah. You it, know, once you've had it, you're 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 coming back as positive for quite some time. Oh, okay. Oh, Even if you're yeah. not. Um, yeah contagious or um having mm. any of the symptoms mm, yeah so so did you ever com complete any of these books that you that, that you started no, on and but they were, I, they were no, never completed no like but, you did the drawings like how many pages were they <laughs> like do you just remember a handful of pages okay, it was yeah. more about the whole constructing the thing and the idea i think yeah but um I like I don't know what some grade I can't remember if it was like third or fourth I won uh, this poetry contest. Oh, so I went down to it was really fun. I went down to this um, to the cultural center and I had to read my poem. It was like a Illinois Young Writers thing. It would have still been the library then, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was so cool. Center. Yeah. Um, and I remember being feeling really good about that. And then an, another time I won this crazy writing award for, b bizarrely enough, the Daughters of the American Revolution. Oh. So um, it was a historical piece that I had to write. And um, I wasn't trying it at all to, to win that thing, but it... Was it, it like a teacher submitted it or something? Yeah, and then all? it was like, a, like I think I, it was a scholarship, and I believe... But, but so it was so funny because um, they were very conservative, you know, Daughters of the American Revolution, yeah. you can imagine. Um, they invited me to this conference, and so, and this big banquet, and it was 500 women that were all had papers. They, they were the original, you know, originalists, if you will, they yeah. would tie themselves to the original uh, revolutionary Americans, if you will. And um, it's like being asked, a made man in the mafia or something. <laughs> exactly. they, they open the books and, and well, check that uh, you have the. You have all the bloodlines line up and stuff. Yeah, they they do. They it's go creepy. to great lengths to that do this. That shit is so creepy. All that tribal. It crap. is very bizarre. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> they invited me and they asked me if I wouldn't bring the person that inspired me, and I brought my dad. 
<laughs> so was what was like, the paper about? What, what did you write I, I about? I can't Do you remember? remember. It was like, you know, freshman or sophomore in high school. Oh, and, okay. High school um, already, yeah. And uh, it was so funny that my dad goes to this conference and literally it's 500 women and my dad, you know, like, oh, wow. and they were all giving him the hairy eyeball the whole time, you know, oh, like really? sitting in this big, you know, the banquet halls, the round tables. Oh, jeez. I think I had to read part of it. Oh, okay. I remember going up to the stage. But anyway, so I've often, I mean, the whole writing thing is, I'm just not, a, I'm not an avid reader in the way that a writer should be. You know mm. I'm saying? Most writers are also deep readers probably yeah and i think i just don't i've never spent the as much time as i should you know like mm. um but it seems like such a beautiful art form writing pursue. yeah <laughs> i know it's it's loaded for you because you're a writer but it, it's um, yeah but i i stumbled back i backed into it like later in life too like i see i didn't do that I didn't. I, I guess I did do. I did do little books, but they were mostly art. Mm -hmm. It was the art. It was the, like the the writing was kind of like, second banana. I mean, it still is. I think. Right. I always think of myself as like, you know, painter first. Visual artist. Always. First. Yeah. Yeah, and the books I make are basically fancy prints with some words in them. You mm -hmm. know, like with, there's a bunch of images. It's just an excuse to, like, put together a bunch of pictures. You know. Yeah. And. And yeah, you 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 trick people in with with the words, you know. <laughs> That's how I think of it. But, huh? So so then, okay. So you had the daughters of the American Revolution, <laughs> and Which is and so they and, and they were really excited about your. <laughs> and, your and they asked my dad what he did. Oh really? And and it, you know he worked at the racetrack. I was gonna say yeah. So for them, that so they were probably was just like, like horrified. Well, they were totally horrified. Right, he may as well. <laughs> he may as well have been like a pimp or uh -huh. something, right? Just about <laughs> like gambling. Well, Are yeah. you kidding? Yeah, see, sin. There's sin. Is there a, a specific like with the daughters of the American Revolution? Is it a? So I imagine it's there's probably a, like some kind of strong Protestant. Yes, very strong streak. Protestant streak. I mean, it's it's not quite the Klan, but it's like it's it's in that direction. Yeah, or the direction of or like Shriners or something. Or, exactly. You know. I, I, that's my understanding of it. Yeah, I did not spend a lot of time. No, because it was just not my. So they gave you some money, or they gave you a scholarship, or yeah. something. Yeah. So, and so those are my writing, uh, my writing accolades over life. But so that was always kind of in my mind, like. Uh -huh. But I never pursued it. My mom also put me into this poetry thing, and that was really cool. Like it was. Um, what poetry thing? There was this like poetry thing through the library system. And it was poets, mm -hmm. you know, people that were um, published poets and stuff that were teaching these kind of, almost like seminars. So that was really cool. Um, and that was when I was working, when I was doing the Riverside Arts Center and stuff. So, and that was in high school? No, no, that was no, once that was we graduated from college. Oh, that was, that was after? Okay. Yeah, it was the year after. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so how did... So how on earth did you end up in art school then? Like, for, from all this writing, what no, what what, what went wrong, Nancy? <laughs> what happened? Well, no, you know, much to, like I'm all over the map, Dimitri. You know that. I know. Well, um, that's one of the reasons we're here. I I I, I need to. I'm, I'm trying to construct this like bizarre life journey that you you've made shifting. for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um. No. So I. I, well, I always drew and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't, um, 
I, my, I, my mom signed me up for, you know, the, the college uh, credit courses at the Art Institute? Uh, vaguely. So, like, when you're in eighth grade and on, you can go to, mm-hmm. you you could go, I don't know if they still have it, yeah. but with um, SAIC, you could go down yeah. and take these courses. And they it's were like, like an early college, yeah. Yeah. And they were like figure painting or figure drawing or whatever. So, um, I started taking courses, I think it was eighth grade, mm-hmm. and doing just like one course in the summer or whatever. And then... Um, I really liked it, but then, um, and I applied to go to art school, but my parents wouldn't let me go to mm. art school, so they told me I had to go to Loyola for a year. Oh, you went to Loyola first? Yeah. Loyola in Chicago? In Chicago? Uh-huh. I got kicked out. Really? Yeah. Why? What did you do? <laughs> I was just, I got kicked out of the housing. It was, it, it was pretty bad. I just was partying the whole time. I didn't really do mm. any schoolwork. Was this up in Rogers Park? Or, yeah. Yeah. So I got kicked out, and then I built. I came back home and went to the community college and built my my portfolio, and then applied to the school art institute, which is where I wanted to be, anyways. Oh, okay. And then got in, and then I, then I went there. So I was at the school of the art institute for. Um, what year did you start at the school of the art institute? <laughs> I don't know because we always have this discussion. I don't even know what year. I know you gr- you graduated a year before me. You, you, you absolutely <laughs> did because no what what we end up with is who 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 was your graduation speaker <laughs> this is how we always determine that we it didn't was, graduate so what the same year, year was this i was i graduated what year 93 you graduated in 92 92 i graduated in 93 <laughs> and in 90, 1993 well, was Miriam Shapiro you? was my graduation speaker at the Medina Saint Temple yeah, mine was at the No, I think they had it there for a few years. Yeah, yeah. That was the same, but it, yeah, we were not, we didn't graduate the same year, and Frank was the next year. Okay. He, he was a year later. So the year he graduated was the year I did that opening at the artist, at the, the Riverside Art Center. That was the opening of the Riverside Art Center. Which was with the show with Barbara. Barbara and, and him, and, and, uh, and, and, um, and Noah. Noah, Vaughn, and, and, Saint, who, and Frank. And Frank, yeah. And I didn't really know any of them. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh. I knew no. I knew Noah, but Noah is not a guy that talks a lot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really know Noah. I I knew him yes. as much as anybody could know Noah. Yeah. Um, um, but, and so at that time, um, yeah, uh, Frank. I had met Frank just a handful, maybe two or three times. So you and Frank were never in the same class. No, never. Were you and I in the same class? No, never. We weren't. You know what's so funny? I, I thought we had, I remember... thought we were in Dan Gustin's class, but I guess you weren't in that class. No, I clearly remember the first time I saw you and Frank uh-huh. walking down the hall. Like I still have very clear visual. Really. And you were your head was shaved at yeah. the time. And yeah, all through school. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I Frank cut cut it with the clippers. Yeah. He, well, Frank had those corduroys on, <laughs> that big puffy coat and a flannel shirt. You had like a black trench kind of, or a long coat, wool coat or something. Uh-huh. I just remember like a long yeah. coat. Um, and you guys were coming out of the print studio, mm. you know, where you'd go towards the cafeteria. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, that's Dimitri and Frank. And I knew your paintings. Really? Because Dan, because we were both taking Dan and Don stuff. 
Okay, so you were you were in Dan's class, but so not at the same time as me. Right. Oh, okay. Different semester, I think, or a different. What oh, all time. right. I would have remembered if we were in the same class at the same time. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because yeah, I don't remember. I I knew we crossed paths at some point, but I don't remember when. It was probably in Sunny's. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I mean, the first time I met Frank, he kept he kept talking about his grandma. <laughs> and I was like, "What the heck?" His grandma Buccaneri, yes, mm -hmm. which I, I'd been to that house. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, we'd gone, I'd gone painting to that house yeah. uh, in displays. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I was like, "What the heck?" Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. It, it gets real fuzzy with the timeline for sure. Uh, so, so you organized that show at the Riverside Art Center. So that would have been in what in '94? Then is that what we're saying? It's the year that. Because uh, I didn't go to, I didn't see that show because I wasn't in Chicago anymore. Yeah, you were at Indiana. I was in Boston, and then I was I went to Indiana in the fall of '94 for one semester and dropped okay. out. Uh, but mostly I was in Boston. You guys visited me in Boston at some point, right? But that was when I was at. Because you were going to. That was in '96. To, to culinary. Were yeah. you already in culinary school by then? Oh no, that was in '95. And he was he was at he was at American. Yeah. Because he was an, at American before he moved back, and we moved in together. Yeah. Huh. So when when did you, you and he get together? Was that after the show? At, after, at, yeah. After the show at Riverside. Okay. And how did you come to organize? How did you choose them? Or, like, how did, how I, did that happen? I don't know. Well, we needed somebody to do the first show. At Riverside Art Center, so I was like, "All right, well, they're the pioneers." Well, maybe, well I'll call these people, see if they'll, yeah. they'll. They just graduated. Maybe it'd be they'd be able to. So was it all landscapes or that show? What what was in that show? Yeah, it was yeah. all landscape. I think that was the. It'd be interesting to go back and see if I could find the info on it. Yeah, I mean, don't they keep like records like that? There, I would would there so. have been like a postcard or something? Yeah, yeah there or, definitely uh, was a postcard. Yeah, that's cool. And were you still painting at that point, or yeah. yeah? But I was headed into culinary. Like I was very much like I, I made. I was kind of like once that show. I made kind of a decision shortly after to go like, okay, I'm gonna, because I had to make a decision between uh, art and culinary, because I had always worked in culinary and in like concession stands and that kind of stuff. Oh, because so, you had worked at at the at the racetrack and stuff. Yeah, or, and at ninety fifth and. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do here? I can't make a living. Am I going to make a living? And I had, um, I don't know where all this timeline, I worked at that home for mentally disabled. When was that? That must have been before, so that must have been right after I graduated, so 93. Okay. I worked at a home for mentally disabled because I had, all through college, all through the school year institute, I used to work at a camp for the mentally disabled. Oh, okay. In the summers. So I would go to Round Lake and... I was the arts director for the, it was called Camp Redleaf. So I would um, plan the art activities and everything. Oh, okay. And I had, I lived in a cabin with like yeah. 12 um, campers, but they, they were adults. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I was thinking I was, I really wanted to, to spend my life working in that, with that population. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. So then I ended up going to, um, work at the Ray Graham Association. And Where is that? What is that? It's a home for mentally disabled. And I was kind of the, um, what do you call it? The special events person. Mm. 
so I would teach art classes and throw dances, and I was the like Boy activities. Scout leader, yeah. and I was the... And where was that? In Addison, Illinois. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I did that for about a year and a half, and then, um, I don't know, I was super confused. So I was thinking I was going to go to grad school for art or culinary. So you, you, you kept painting? Mm, or, yeah. yeah. What and were I you painting, do you was, remember? At that point, I was just going out and doing small gouaches and stuff because I didn't have time. I mm -hmm. was working so yeah. many hours. Um, and then I, yeah, then I um, got involved in the art uh, the, the the Riverside Art Center. Yeah. Because I met Jennifer Henderson looking at studio, so I quit that job, and I was looking for a studio in Riverside mm. to start working on, like seriously working on building a portfolio for grad school. Were you living here this whole time, or I'm, that whole yeah, time? Yeah, I lived. Okay. I lived at the house. You did. Oh, you did. Okay. And then, um, so. I met Jennifer Henderson because we were both looking at the same piece of, or the same apartment as a potential mm. studio. And Ruth Freark, who owns the building, was there, and she she was we Jennifer and I were like Jennifer was like, do you want to share it? And I said, well, sure. She said, do you care if there's babies? Because she had two little guys, two little mm. kids. And I was like, no, I don't care. You know, I've got lots of kids in my life, whatever. Yeah. I, I just don't want to pay the full rent for the studio space. Yeah. And then Ruth Freark was like, why don't we make a gas? Why don't we, if you guys yeah. make the gallery downstairs into a gallery, we can use this as studio space upstairs. Yeah. So then that's when the whole thing came about. So then we went about, then that's when her husband, uh, Jennifer's husband, got involved. And he was doing a lot of the construction and everything. And we started yeah. raising money and Joe Shapiro got involved and Leslie Carpenter and... And it's still going. It's still going. It's crazy. Yeah. But I wasn't... At once that show came down, that's when I left to go to culinary school. Oh, okay. And that's when you... And what... Do you remember what, what uh, decided you on, like, this is... I'm going to do culinary school instead of... Yeah, any, well, of I, any of these seven other careers <laughs> that you've been entertaining? Um, <laughs> it, it came It's down, just amazing that, like, having that many choices. I've never had, felt that way at all. It like, was really hard, actually. Having was, so many diverse interests yeah. and opposing interests. I still have that problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're involved in 17 different things at and all times. I yeah. wish to God I would just be like, one thing, just do yeah. one thing. But what, so what, at that point, like, do you remember what decided you on... Culinary school of all, out of all of them? I do. Um, I remember um, feeling like it. I could, it was a social, uh, the way I was thinking about it is a lot like a print studio. Mm -hmm. Culinary. It, yeah. Being in a kitchen's a lot like, it's a social art form. Sure. You yeah. know, like you're in a group creating, crafting a product. So for me, it was um, interesting in that I could be with people, which I love being with people. Mm -hmm. And make product that makes people happy, and it it could be a life, you yeah. know. So that's why I was like, okay, there's a more direct path to income, yeah, than this kind of open-ended studio life. And I found studio life like when I was working in my studio because I was mm -hmm. in a studio. Yeah, I found it incredibly lonely. Sure. So I found that really hard. Like being, like being a painter, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's, alone, a, it's a solitary activity. Yeah, and I've been surrounded by people my whole life. You know, like I, right. I've lived in a house with 11 people. So I, I, like the idea of... Yeah, you can thrive in that kind of chaos, right. like that kind of chaotic or whatever group, like where there's a lot of moving things. 
parts all the time. Yeah, I feel I feel very comfortable in that. Mm. I feel really uncomfortable when it's quiet mm. and um, yeah, when there's less people. So that's what decide. That's what decided you. Yeah. And you went to CIA, right? Yeah, out in New York. What 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 did you have to do to get into that place? I mean, because that's a prestigious place, right? Yeah, at the time it was harder to get into than it is now. But at the time, you uh, have to have um, what did you two have to years do? of um, kitchen work, mm. and I had had that. And then um, uh, you had to have references, two references from chefs. So mm -hmm. um, I had worked with Jack Kennedy when I was at ninety um, fifth, and he was in a lot. What was ninety fifth? Uh, you know, it used to be, it was a really nice restaurant um, before it was it was a tourist restaurant. So the 95th used to, in the John Hancock. Oh. So when I was at... When, oh, so it was a nice, re that place, like, it's like a bar kind of thing? Yeah, at the time yeah. when I was there, it was kind of the, the kind of, what would you call it, the creme de la creme for, the, for ARA, which is now Aramark. Oh. You know, one of those big food companies? Yeah. This was their, like, flagship high-end restaurant. So they would bring people in. It was like, like the Hamburger University of yeah. <laughs> uh, But it was, like, all... Like, I, had, I didn't even know what fresh herbs looked like. Oh, so yeah. they would, like, the first day I worked there, Jack Kennedy, who, he was so super impressive and scary to me. Um, mm. Really, really, really amazing chef and teacher. And he said to me, all right, he was... It's not happy. I was his underling, and he sent me in the cooler to get tarragon and uh -huh. basil and um, marjoram and oh. one other thing. And I stood in the cooler and cried because I was like, all these green things, and I don't know what anything is. And so yeah. I'm eating herbs, trying mm. to figure out like what could any of this mean. Yeah. And then finally, he walks in. He's like, "What are you doing?" You know, yeah. I'm like so. It, they had all this fresh produce, and they had we had six. I think at the time there was six. At least three sous chefs that I remember. They had a pastry chef. They had pastry sous chef. You know, I mean, it was, it was a big yeah. operation. Um, and it was, they were bringing in fresh fish every day. And so mm. it was it was cool. We had to butcher everything on our own. Yeah. Um, it was a good experience. But anyway, so I went to CIA because I had gotten references from mm -hmm. these kind of folks that I had worked with. And did you always know you'd go into, like, what you went into? I mean, specifically, you know, like pastry and bread and all that? No. I, yeah. In fact, I think I should have gone into culinary and not pastry, but oh, I went really? into pastry. How and did you choose that? Um, it seemed quiet and calm over there, which is funny, right? I got into You were just saying how you, you wanted all this chaos and all these I people. Know. You didn't like the quiet, but there. <laughs> I guess it's a, it's a context. Yeah. Well, but when you're a, a line cook... Mm -hmm. it's intense like yeah really really intense and you feel like a caged lion you know for yeah. like the the level of stress and like when we were on when i was line cook it was crazy we would i would get there at like eight nine in the morning those people are insane those yeah. those those cooks that they just work around all that heat and all that and they're just like yelling at each other and it's just intense it's just we nobody was people. yelling no. because we were too busy to yell yeah but what was what was interesting it was the um the we would i wouldn't punch in until it was like my time to go to work uh -huh. and i would get off the line and punch out and go back to work so hmm. like i would be working all morning yeah for free essentially yeah and then i would punch in yeah 
And then, <laughs> so it was the craziest thing, you know, like we yeah. all just were there because, and we were, we, I was there to learn. So I didn't yeah. mind. But, um, when I think back on that, like how crazy the culture was that we would actually all do this stuff yeah. on our own time and our own dime. And that was expected, you know, that was the culture of the kitchen. Yeah. Because it was like a, kind of like an, like an apprentice type system, right? Yeah. Just yeah, not unlike what what you know, like art studios used to be, right? Like in the old days, There's like a, well, you you guys have all that stuff like guilds and like all that. It was a it was a craft, you know, right? And there was this thing, you know, you start out whatever, washing brushes or stretching canvases and cleaning up, you know, for years, and then they let you paint in the backgrounds or something. Yeah, and it's, it's very you similar, your own, actually. Yeah. But that, yeah, that all disappeared, you know, many, many moons ago in, in the art world, it all changed. Whereas in the, in the culinary world, it stayed, at least in parts of it, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. But you, I, I mean, did, so you decided on, on the pastry and stuff, and how long was that program? Um, 11 months. It was, or, oh, yeah. that's it? Yeah. Was that short? It was short. And, and, then, and Frank was at... In grad American, school yeah. at that same time. And so then I moved to New Haven, Connecticut, still thinking maybe I will go to grad school. <laughs> so oh, I did Oh, my... still for, for like art? Yeah. You were still thinking about going to, oh, wow. And um, I... Oh, you were looking at Yale. Yeah. Oh. I was like, maybe I should. So I went, this is the craziest part, right? Yeah, you've heard the story, but I think. But um, so I was told to go to the Ritz in the city, in Chicago. And I really mm. wanted to do bread. So I said, mm. no. But I was working for the head of the department, Marcus Farbinger. So I was working all through school. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was there, I worked for the chair of the baking pastry program. And it was this Austrian guy. And he told me, I, you should really go work at the Ritz in Chicago. Huh. And I was like, no, 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 I want to do bread. He's like, no, listen, <laughs> you need to go work at the Ritz. And I really kicked myself for not doing that because at the time... There were so many people that I would have really liked to work with that yeah. were there. But anyways, I went to work at Chabasso in New Haven, Connecticut. And a great place. Like, really great. And that's a bakery? Yeah. I, I don't know anything about so, any of that New Haven stuff. The reason why it was really fortuitous and weird was once I got there, I realized that both Dan and Don uh -huh. worked at that same bakery. Oh, really? oh when, when they were, they were in grad school at Yale? So yeah. it was originally called Atticus, uh -huh. and Don created the baguette. Oh, really? Isn't that funny? Don and I, Kyle created the baguette. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I mean, I knew I knew that vaguely, that yeah. stuff, that kind of connections. Because I didn't understand the baguette recipe. This is how I found out. Uh-huh. The baguette recipe was totally whacked, and yeah. they had all this commercial yeast in this recipe, and it tasted like beer because there was so much yeast in it. Uh -huh. And I was like, what is going on with this recipe? This doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Uh -huh. And I was like, who created this recipe? Like, where did it come from? And they're like, oh, this guy Don Southard. And I'm like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, that's Don how, that, Southard, and that's, that's how I connected That was the, the key dots. to the mystery, like, yeah. where, where the, I was like, the, the no logic came from, oh my God, <laughs> the, the insanity. Like, because the guy, guy who I was working with, Ken Evasion, he was a ceramicist, and he went to Yale at the same time that Don. Oh, gone. really? So he was the one that was like, "Oh yeah, this guy Don Southern created." I was like, "As in like the guy who paints from Yale?" And he was like, "As in yeah." How did you know him? Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like the yeah these connections. Like uh, my my friend Wendy, who I'd mentioned before, who was a flamenco dancer, who went to school with us, used to be a painter. 
but her sister Susan lives in New Haven, and she's a she's a sculptor. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so she's kind of there. She's uh -huh. she's there to this day. I think I think she's in, I think she's still in, in New Haven, like one of those art buildings, you know. Uh -huh. I don't know if she she must teach or something. I think they have kids. Well, Chabasa is a lot of people from the arts yeah. grad program that still worked at Chabasso. Yeah. Like and I went, I went once, I, I, had a, I had an interview at Yale for, for grad school, and I, inst I within five minutes, I, I saw that building and knew I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't, be, I couldn't spend two years in that build. That horrific poured concrete monstrosity, <laughs> the, this brutalist monstrosity, uh -huh. like, like I, I would, you know, I would hang myself going into that building for two years, you know? Yeah. And well, in I, Connecticut, it was hard to meet people. The people are pretty... Yeah. It's different culturally. It's New England. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up with that. I grew up in Boston. You know, yeah. like so... No, not, not, a, not a cool place if you're not from there. If you're not from those places, they will never accept you, you know? Yeah, there's one guy that was super <laughs> nice. He was, um, he was a Yale grad uh, in photography. His name's Willie Bell. And mm -hmm. he um, worked the night shift... Mm. And um, his brother was a filmmaker, mm. uh, pretty pretty well known filmmaker, but he was also the night disc jockey on mm. his days off for the jazz. He, so he did uh, jazz night disc jockeying on his oh, the days cool. that would be his nights off. He was the only one that befriended me. Really? No matter what, like I would ask all these people, "Hey, you want to get a beer?" And everybody wouldn't have. Beer. So how long were you there in New Haven? Like just past a year. Oh, okay. And then my mom got. She had breast cancer, and she has this bleeding disease. Mm. And so I was just really worried about her all the time. Yeah. And um, so I came back home. Yeah. And then um, I applied to all these jobs, and I got a job with um, Berghoff as their head baker. They, mm. they gave me a job offer that was really good. Mm. But I, um, and Au Bon Pan, but I, I ended up not taking either, which was really crazy because... How come? Why they were really them? good jobs, you know, like good salaries yeah. with benefits, the whole thing. And I just found myself so miserable thinking about working in these environments for some reason. So Because they were corporate or No, why? well, Berghoff, yeah. it was this idea that I was going to be in... The, I just, I got this weird thing when I was in the kitchen. And I went through the whole process. I came I, as on the train ride home. I had taken the job. And oh, you would have to do, like, stage or something? No, I didn't like, care about that. It was oh, more no. just, like, this guttural feeling that I had uh -huh. when I was on my train ride home from accepting. Uh -huh. And I was like, I can't take this job. I can't do the it. The Berghoff job? Or? Yeah. yeah. And um, so then um, that was it. So then I was I was like, I need to start something, evidently. And this I, would be, like, what year would this be, like, what, 95 or 96? Yeah, it was 96, because then 96. I spent the year, uh, well, not a whole year, but a lot of the year working on the business plan to start Red that, So 96 is when you started working on the Red Hen? Yeah, and Red. It then opened in 97. Okay. July of 97. You opened in July, okay. Cause, and I'd, I'd moved back to Chicago in the, like, March of 97. To live right. with Frank. <laughs> Who was working at Utrecht at the time. Yes, he was working at Utrecht, and my first job was at Pearl. Yeah. But I moved here with no nothing. I I moved here like on a with a credit card and like 
I don't know how much money I'd saved from driving a cab. I didn't have much. I just needed to get the fuck out of Boston. Yeah. I was getting really depressed and not and like things were not going well. You know. Okay, like, so I can't remember <laughs> when we went to Boston because you were not in a good place when we went to Boston. I wasn't in a good place in Boston ever. Well, like you, you not in childhood, not in. Yeah. yeah, it was it was really bad times. I mean, for a while I was drinking, like driving and drinking. You know, like yeah. but you know when you're. 24, 25, you do that shit and you'd be, you're indestructible, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would go, like, I would t- I would get, uh, like, a like a little bottle of Jack Daniels, like a pint of Jack Daniels and go to an afternoon movie, you know? And drink that while watching the movie. And then I'd go drive for 12 hours. And, like, and stopping off, like, to see a band and having a couple more drinks, oh you know? Oh, my like, God. How did you... I'd, how I'd do, do you... shit like that yeah. all the time. And I was, I was driving six, seven days a week, you yeah. know? But I would paint beforehand, like paint, go to a movie, you know, and then go drive. Yeah, that's crazy living. Yeah. And I hated that place. I'd made no friends, you know, like, and it was really bad. Like the best quote I ever heard about Boston is this musician, Peter Prescott, who said, Boston's a good place to be in a funk. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like <laughs> if you're depressed or and you hate people and like the Everything in that environment will support those kinds of feelings, you know? It's not welcoming. It's expensive. It's, I mean, the best thing about Boston is that it's close to New York. Yeah. You know, really. It's, it's a miserable, miserable place. Oh, visited, really? Yeah. Yeah, was, I don't know why you guys... Uh, well, We came out for something, and then... I just remember I didn't know you very well at all. Yeah, because, because you and Frank had gotten together while I was... Already, you know, I'd moved away. Because right. I moved away... I graduated in 93 and immediately moved to Boston, right, back okay. to Boston, which was, you know, in retrospect, pr- probably a mistake, but mm-hmm. like I should have moved back there. I never had good times there. Part of it was that, you know, I had my baby brother, Max, and I'd missed his first few years. He was born in 89, right? which was right when I went off to art school. It was to see him and I had a relationship ending, you know, me and Caroline were break- broke up. Right. We broke up half a year before I graduated, and I decided to keep living in the house and almost killed myself then, you know, like, I had a miserable... Uh, that was in Logan Square? Yeah. That area? Yeah. Yeah. Right I on remember, the boulevard. I feel yeah. like there might have been a party that was at your place one time, and I once went to your house. Oh, you've been to that house? Frank I, used to come and paint. Like, yeah. we'd paint on the back porch there and go I think Noah and I came. Or I met up with Noah. That, that could be. And we went... And it was a it was a yellow brick like three yeah. flat or four yep. flat. It's so on the corner of Albany and Logan Boulevard. Yeah, I mean, I have I pass by there sometimes and wonder what how much that house is worth. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's got to be millions. You yeah. know, like at the, at this point, but we we were paying like I don't know, like seven hundred dollars. And month you were there with Paul, right? With Paul and Nan. Yeah, and uh, me and Caroline and her older brother John. Okay. But Paul and Ann moved out after the first year because Paul graduated, and then they broke up. She Paul was, and I graduated the same year. Yes. <laughs> yes, because Paul went straight into grad school at, right, at right. IU at Indiana, which is how I found out about Indiana University. Yeah. And they kind of tried to stay together, but they, he, I think she soon hooked up with somebody else. Uh-huh. I mean, she, was, she was a piece of work, that one. But her and I had to share a studio. The living, the dining room was our studio, and the, the second half of that year, we didn't speak to each other. Like we had, I like don't it remember did not, Nan. No. Was she? 
She was Korean. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, no, I think I do remember yeah. her. A very small, small person. <laughs> and she was in painting. Yes, she was a painter. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember her paintings, weirdly enough. Because I used to look at people's paintings yeah. in their stacks. Remember you guys had the stacks? Sure, yeah. I would look at what was going on in people's stacks, like in those areas. When, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, uh... Yeah, it was, it was. It was the two couples, and then and they they both moved out after a year, and then it was just, just me and Caroline and John mm-hmm. in the in that giant apartment with like two bathrooms and like four bedrooms, mm-hmm. and it was it was giant. It was a but giant. But you know what? Apartment. There's so it many beautiful like. apartments in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it was a gorgeous neighborhood. Well, it was yeah. It was the, it was a second floor. There was two apartments on that floor. There was we had, we had neighbors too across the hall, but it was a big house. <laughs> Those have been very, you know, when you think about the wealth that would have been in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, at some point that was just somebody's house. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I can't even imagine. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it felt very luxurious at that time. But yeah, I don't remember us having parties. But that it could be that that would have been Caroline's doing not mine. Mm-hmm. She was the It social. wasn't a wild party. It was just like almost like a more of a get together. Like a dinner party. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I don't remember going to bars when I was in school. I was I was all about I was about painting and we'd go to the movies and we we got to dinner. We were married, mm-hmm. you know, for all intents and purposes. You seemed like it. We were totally married. Yeah. Uh I didn't know that that that's what it was, but yeah, uh, uh you know, I mean for me, you know, going to art school was a compromise with my parents. I didn't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't have ever gone to any kind of college. But, you know, I come from, you know, Russian Jewish intelligentsia. You know, like, it's it's unthinkable, you know, right. for them. You know, so this was the compromise was art school, you know. But, uh, yeah, if, if I if I didn't have Caroline, I would have dropped out. You know, I don't know. I didn't ever go to an art institute party. Didn't Nor go did to bars. I. Like other I, than I went to your. I didn't do. I didn't do. I, I probably missed out on the whole like, art, art kid experience. You know, I just didn't do that stuff. Well, you know what though, I was it's, super square. I guess. I don't know if there was such a scene. Way. Was there? Uh, I think. A, I mean, a bunch of them lived in in Wicker Park. Wicker Park was where. Like, I didn't go to Wicker Park because I knew that's where those the art kids lived. I didn't like. I was. Because I, was not into I that. honestly don't remember. You know who I used to hang out with? This woman, Christine, and tr- not Troy Abshire, but um, <coughs> what's the guy's name? Casey Spooner. Casey Spooner. That's the I I would hang with them once in a while, but yeah. again, we weren't going to parties. It was yeah. like we would go to the crazy macrobiotic restaurant and eat. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we'd go all the way to Rogers Park to eat food. Oh, really? You know, like that was macrobiotic because I think Christine worked there or something. Oh, no, I, I I don't remember. And Casey Spooner was a he. Well, I think he still is a performance artist or fashion. Oh, really? He, he he's still producing art, but um, and Christine, I don't know what she does now. There was a few people from that time that I mean, I know that I made friends with later, uh, like my friend Azita, who's a musician, Azita Yousefi, she's Iranian. Uh, she she was in she was in school in the same exact year as, as me. We didn't know each other because she ran in very different circles mm-hmm. because she was doing like performance art and stuff, and she's a musician, you know. Yeah. 
so there was this other what what you and I were doing there was very was really not cool, you know. <laughs> Which is figure. Wait, don't tell me that. Figure painting was not cool, <laughs> and I I felt like I totally felt like a second class citizen there. Yeah. For and I got there, I didn't know that, you know, where the direction I was going in was not had nothing to do with like the art world, and it was not cool. I remember it was such a big deal. The one show I I ever organized there was in Gallery X. Do you mm-hmm. remember Gallery oh, X? Yeah, yeah. It's right next to Utrecht. Yeah. That hallway. Yeah. <laughs> but like to get them to to sign off on a figure, a figurative show. And in, in that show, it was it was me and Noah and uh, what's her name, Helen mm-hmm. Webster. Do you remember her? Helen Webster. Helen Webster. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mary Mary McCarthy. Helen Webster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and some uh, oh Jim Kim was oh, okay. another uh, yeah. who's older, who was a Korean guy, who Frank was in touch with him for a while. Yeah, he'd been a designer, and he got you know his job ended because computers were coming into the design world. Yeah, so he just went back to school to like try, kind of pursue like his first love, which is painting. You know, that was happening a lot then when it was just the very beginnings of like. These like the software and stuff like yeah, isn't that funny? In, I remember inva- invading computer. I didn't know how to turn on a computer. It never even crossed my mind to take a computer class. Like well, that. I was taking printmaking, and I was taking that one class where it was like you could take photograph, expose it on a plate, mm-hmm. and then etch it. Yeah, and then so it was we were doing all the stuff with the computer but we had two computers yeah in the so there was like a closet off of the printmaking studio like where like where the silk screen silk screens were or yeah the, yeah. yeah so okay. you walk you know when you're coming out of the stairwell you're walking towards the printmaking studio yeah you you pass the what there used what, to be the film center and the auditorium there's and then the well there's photo to the and yeah. yeah. So on your way towards photo, because I was in yeah. photo. Oh, you did. I yeah. did some photography work there, um, and like the large format stuff. So then I would use the computers, and that was like the only computers they had too. Yeah. In the whole print studio, and then there was some kind of computers downstairs. Like maybe that was later though. Like on the first floor, I think there was some kind of computer lab. Not, but I, I mean, which isn't I never, that crazy to th- even think about? Yeah. It's a completely different world. Uh, no, I mean, I typed. I had to. I typed my papers on a typewriter mm-hmm. when I was there. Yeah. Like we had ty- at home, we had a typewriter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was even an el- electronic type, electric <laughs> typewriter. Maybe possibly yeah. an electric with, typewriter. With white out. Yeah, yeah. I have the. I saved a lot of those. I incorporate those, like some of those papers, into collages I do now. Mm-hmm. Like all that homework and shit. Yeah. I read through it and it's, it's just horrible. <laughs> like, you know, papers for like Dennis Adrian's class or yeah. some, some, some some weird creep Wait, that did, lost a history. Which, one, which Dennis Adrian class did you take? Uh, the, it was like the, no, it was like the fantastical art or like oh, yeah, for yeah. the magical, like it was people like uh, Rodolphe Bresden and like, like these, these weird, like all the kind of stuff that he was into, mm-hmm. kind of what what led to you know imagists basically later you know all the artists that he championed, right? Kind of fantastical art. No, he I don't remember what the exact course description was, but because you know he I think it was some esoteric group of artists that he probably made up on the go. You know, just remember him as as black turtleneck and white pants, high waters, and like 
going out to smoke every every ten minutes. It's like, Lucky Strikes. Yeah. Was it Camel or Lucky Strikes? I don't remember what he smoked. <laughs> you yeah, know, it was very, very, very different time. Very different time. Yeah, when I walked into his class, it was the it was classicism, neoclassicism, mm. and um, so somebody said, "What's what is the um, you know what are the books required reading?" Mm-hmm. And he, you know, in his in his way, uh, belittled the person who asked, and then said, "The Quran, the Bible, and Bullfinch's mythology." Mm. All the, those are the three books you'll be reading this semester. We yeah. were like, "What?" <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, okay. To 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 loop back to uh, the you you were going home on the train and you had this, and you 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 accepted the job at Berghoff and then you decided not to do it. Yeah. And so what did you do? So so instead you 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 started uh, the plans for Red Hen Bread. Yeah. Wow. How did you find the pla- the, the the building on on Milwaukee? Like how did all that happen? Oh, you that had was to bring so in crazy. family and stuff. To, yeah. So what happened investment. was the, um, we I lo- I was really looking at the the Flatiron Building. I really wanted to be in the Flatiron Building at the time mm. uh, on the first floor, but um, they had a you know there's a huge basement. Mm. In the Flatiron, and it was really not well kept. That building. Yeah. And there was really no alley, so even though it would have been good retail space, yeah. it didn't leave me any room for deliveries, any of that kind of stuff. So um, I met with the guy from the owner of uh, the Flatiron mm-hmm. a bunch of times. Anyways, the other building came up, which was 1623, and um, that one was an automotive repair shop. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was a, um, and the guy, it's a crazy story, the guy who owned the building bought it for $38,000. Wow. And um, so then I rented it mm-hmm. from him. I got a pretty good lease because I, I didn't, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be stuck with a lease if your business doesn't survive, right? Uh-huh. So, um I negotiated a lease that was renewable every year, uh-huh. but it comes with a cost, you know. So, anyways, um, but we were doing all this work on it, so um, it ended up that I put about two hundred thousand dollars into that building. Mm. So then, like a year later, he's like, "I'm selling the building if yeah. you're interested." Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's three hundred seventy-five thousand. Yeah. I was like, "What the? I I put the two hundred thousand yeah. in, and now I got to buy the building for three seventy-five? Yeah. So, anyways. Um, that didn't happen yeah so I was just still paying rent but yeah so I did that uh, we were at the and you started working what year did you come to work at, at Red Hen uh it were it was late it was like uh the second more like and third two, year yeah like 99 more like 2000 probably 99 were you at the or new building or just the old one no only the new one only the new one yeah and I, I didn't oh, last very right, long. That's right. Because no, because I'd been working at Ty Lagoon. I worked at Ty Lagoon. It was after Ty Lagoon. Right. And it, it, I wasn't there. I mean, I don't think I was there even a year. No, I don't think you were. It was, like, it was a few months. Yeah. It was in between. Was it before I was at Bite or after? Because I was at Bite for a year, after after Ty Lagoon. Could have been after Bite. So could have been, even been like two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Like could have been that late. Yeah. Because I was at, at Byte in the year 2000. 
But you uh, were there when I was there. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it had to have been before 2002, whatever it was. Yeah. Because 2002 was the end of my time. Yeah. There. But maybe like 2001, 2000 or 2001. Yeah. And it was in between, I was just in between jobs, basically. You know, I was trying to figure out what, what to do. What was the next shit, shit <laughs> service industry job that I was exactly. going to do? to to uh finance my my stupid art habit you know like <laughs> uh yeah that was interesting that, that driving doing all those deliveries yeah because that would do like bistro 110 that would take up the you know home. he just passed away oh, the, Dominique. oh really yeah like his um so he passed away probably two weeks ago you know i talk to about these places now is uh kevin hickey at duck inn mm -hmm. he knows all those places because oh, yeah. he worked at four seasons he worked at i think he worked at the ritz at some point oh, too yeah. he worked at all those places then he like moved to san francisco and opened a restaurant that failed like he he's been all over the place that right. guy he knows all the you, you you and him should talk sometime i really want to go to duck in and he's 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 a little bit like you he's involved in so many different things he's like they're rehabbing the remova uh which is like a it's a sister theater to the music box but it's in bridgeport oh cool and it's going to be a venue and a and a brewery and like a restaurant mm -hmm. that's smart and then he's he's licensing like these like the duck fat hot dogs he's mm -hmm. got like some some place in paris is opening like a french he does like a million different things he's he's like you that way <laughs> he's got all these like crazy ambitions he can't stop working you know yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an illness yeah it's some you know s same ethnic background you know <laughs> another irish guy but that place the duck inn was in his family it was called the gem bar Oh, okay. It was owned by somebody in his family, uh -huh. like, and he changed. You know, he opened the Duck Inn. I think the Duck Inn's about eight or nine years old only, but it's pretty cool. I, I like that place. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, he knows all those places that I used to deliver to, like Bistro One Ten and the Ritz, and like. <laughs> Never. Um, oh no, you weren't there for that. The. No. The one that Michael Jordan owned. What was that one called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One sixty blue. One sixty blue. Yeah. Yeah, I I I delivered there a couple oh, of yeah. times. Yeah, one sixty at the end of the the whole. Well, I mean, it was one of the earlier. On Randolph. Yeah, on that there wasn't that much, but there's yeah, Marche, Marche was in between, blue. but all at the end at the other end it was uh, what's it? Blackbird. Black yeah, Falcon's place, and then Avec after that yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how all that stuff exploded. Well, and yeah, also we you get you get a, like the the Food Network and all that stuff where and Anthony Bourdain making it chefs into rock stars, you right. know. Yeah, but the, it was like that was the kind of um, a very important time in Chicago culinary, mm. I think. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were coming up through the ranks and and or starting smaller places do you remember like in work do you remember Catherine august that place twilight she had she had a restaurant it was right next to jinx it, it was this weird restaurant go. it 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 was the only thing except for leo's lunchroom that was like but she was she it was a proto like what like that west loop kind yeah, of became be, because it was she was a chef oh, i do I red do red hair yeah, like, yeah 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 uh, she went on, I think she went, I don't know if she's still around or not, but she was like a pioneer, like yeah. another weird pioneer. It was real grubby, but like, it was definitely elevated food. It was not like diner food. It was like a chef doing like weird stuff. 
and that that place that's now uh, what's the that's uh, Big Star now. What was that? Pontiac. Pontiac. And then what's her name? Yeah, because Corin Grieveson or what the the chef that opened Avec, she cooked there. Yeah, yeah. At Pontiac. Oh before. no way. She was at Pontiac before she they opened Avec. Yeah. Oh. That was a stepping stone. Like it's it's weird. Like to Pontiac, think of those. Pontiac man was rough. Yeah. Yeah, it was grubby, but like you could Remember tell the bathroom it, situation there was. Well, it was a garage. There? Like you could tell it was still like a like a, a garage. garage yeah. It was a garage. But man, it was such a nice break from, like the on a sunny day, like mm-hmm. going there and sitting having a beer out on the the what sure. was the driveway. But yeah, the choices were so yeah because the busy bee was still open. Mm-hmm. Like there was these places from like the way deep Chicago past. Right. Still, like places where you know Nelson Algren would eat, you know, yeah. that still existed. And now it's full circle. So they've opened across the street from where Busy Bee was is Dove's Luncheonette, yeah, which is another Paul Kahn restaurant, right. and it's great. It's so good that place. Like in that neighborhood, is so fucking obnoxious. Yeah, you can't park anywhere. It's like well, super yeah. hard. you don't have to worry about. Not that. Not a park. problem for me. Yeah. No, it's it's more clientele, the clientele, and like some of those businesses these. These stupid boutiques, you know, like and yeah. and every you trip over like a whatever. Well, Bonchi went in across the street from that. They didn't survive. No, Bonchi. Well, I think part of that was pandemic. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, they couldn't. But now it's it's a different. It's that Polly G's, which is another high. It's a New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pizza place. Is Bonchi's on on? Um, it's on Sangamon. Sangamon yeah, so. yeah. That. Oh yeah, I go by there sometimes. Yeah, I gotta. That's really good pizza. Yeah, I like that. That's one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty special. I, that might be the only Banchi now. I don't it know. It is the only one in Chicago. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I did when we were in New York recently. I didn't go and look and see. Oh, they, there's a Banchi in New York. Yeah. Uh, huh. So and and I mean, Red Hand seemed to grow very quickly. Did it grow quickly? Or it was out of feel, control. Yeah. It seemed like like suddenly you, you were supplying bread to like every restaurant in Chicago. Yeah. Was, something. Well, what happened was when we started, when I started, it it um the goal was to just do retail. Mm-hmm. But then I couldn't afford the six employees that I had. We weren't making enough in retail. Yeah. The neighborhood just wasn't supporting it. There's just no way it would have supported. At yeah, I mean, point. people wouldn't wouldn't even recognize what what we that that what yeah. Wicker Park was then, you know. Well, yeah, well, you know, you had Wicker Dog still, <laughs> you know. That, that but was, you remember the <laughs> beautiful floral shop across the street, Bella Bella? Vaguely, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, but that was a um, so that opened. We opened, um, but it was still really. We just didn't have. There was not the population of people that would be there today. Obviously, buying bread and pastries and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I Gordon Sinclair came to me and asked if I would do his bread for the right. restaurant. Mm-hmm. That was our first account, okay. um, which was in Lincoln Park, right? It was on Illinois. No, it's in oh no, Gordon, that's not. Yeah, thinking of something else. There was so Gordon Sinclair had been open twenty six oh. years, I think, or something. Oh wow! Yeah, he was a really important guy in the Chicago food scene. Uh, he was very esoteric um, yeah. and interesting. We also had Le Nomad, too. Was Then we quickly that, got... That was, yeah. that was in the same area. Yeah, so then... I remember delivering to that place. Yeah, that was like near the MCA. Yeah. The original MCA. 
Um, but on uh, Ontario or on Ohio, was, Ohio, one of those, one of those streets. Yeah, but that was further east than. Right? Isn't that wasn't that further east than? Really close to the to the the original MCA, yeah, like yeah. across the street, practically. Yeah. yeah. That was Roland Luciani. Yes. And his wife. Um, but yeah, so uh, so then Corner Bakery, who <laughs> was doing everybody's bread. Yeah. They wanted out of wholesale. Oh. So they started sending people to us because they were oh, like, wow. we don't want... Oh, wow. Oh, crazy. They, they, why, did they want, why did they want out? They were changing their business market to um, to do... Uh, like the fast all kind of retail, like, yeah. fast casual. Yeah. So um, the interesting thing was there was a bread bakery in Roscoe Village called Bread with Appeal. Hmm. I don't know if you were... Oh, no, you weren't there when... Um, no. So they... I had a... I had, one of the I, that was one of the places I had applied to work. They wouldn't hire me. Yeah. Um, they said maybe we'd hire you as counter staff, and I was like, I ran a whole production. Yeah. Like, and you don't want to. I mean, I'm fine if I have to do that for a little bit. Like, if yeah. that's what we, But then that would be a waste, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, he was shutting down his business. Yeah. So he contacted me and was like, "Hey, can you hire my employees?" Oh. And I was like, I don't have a business to hire your employees, yeah. and um. He was like, well, they're all going to be without jobs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, how many are there? And he was like, six at a minimum. Yeah. So I ended up hiring them because um, they were all trained bakers yeah. from West Africa. And oh. they all were legally working in the United States yeah. and stuff. That was Ba and Diallo and Lalia and Awa and that whole group. Um, so. And you were still just on Milwaukee? or Yeah. yeah. So then... Um, I had to get more wholesale accounts, so I said yes to everything that came my way, so I could support the. I have a. Pa- I did a painting of that in the back of that plate. Oh yeah. I think it's at my parents' house. Yeah. Of, of the the. <laughs> the crazy mess of the, the kitchen. The yeah. kitchen, well, like where the ovens were and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in, in back of there, because I, I had there's one, I did uh, on on the outside, which uh, they had the guy Chapman. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he used. He for, lived with Jay. Yeah, he used for a CD cover. Which I did like on the little outdoor table at oh, Redhead Bread, yeah, looking down Milwaukee Avenue. But yeah, <laughs> um, remember Mike Simmons? So Mike Simmons, who had um, yes, um, Marie uh, Jean Marie or Marie yeah, Jean ca- Cafe Cafe Marie Jean, yeah, yeah. yeah so I worked with him. He was um, at that point. Our had he was baking. Oh, okay, yeah, but. I'll never forget that time a pigeon flew in when we were. Yeah. <laughs> you heard that story, right? I don't the, think so. The pigeon flew in because they were trying to run deliveries. Mm. You know, the back door was yeah. open. Somebody, the pigeon yeah. flies in. And so everybody stops. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if this thing dirties, yeah. then, uh, we're done. Like, you're going to have grossness everywhere. So yeah. we're watching this thing fly, and it lands on a number 10 can of tomatoes. Yeah. And so Mike goes up to it. And I'll never forget it because he had, like, that, that bl- the white, like, Dago tea, wife beer, whatever. I yeah. know I'm not supposed to say that, but yeah. and cutoffs and cowboy boots baking. You know, yeah. it's like this crazy getup. Yeah. And the, the the pigeon lands on the can, and the whole place is quiet. We're in a rush, and um, so he walks this thing slowly out, and then the finally the pigeon gets off the number yeah. ten can outside, and everybody's like, "Wow!" It was such a funny, <laughs> such a funny scene. Yeah. But yeah, we had there was some. But all those people you hired from the place that went out of business were, were all working in that. Yeah, and then they, a lot of them went over to 
the new commissary, when we built the second store, uh, the commissary. So, so, so what year did you build the second one, the, that bakehouse? We moved place? into the bakehouse in 2000. Okay, yeah. So, um, and when we moved into that one, um, that was literally, we didn't miss one day of production. Everybody just got on a U-Haul truck with the benching table. Oh, wow. And they just kept benching. Yeah. And we moved everything, shifted everything over. Crazy. And we ran all the deliveries and everything. Like, there was not, we didn't skip a beat. It was crazy. <laughs> I was like, who does that? There's a lot of that kind of stuff, though. And Nicole, you know, and, and it was just a crazy group of people. But but Nicole was already working. Was she already working when it was just on Milwaukee? or did Yeah, she, she was yeah, one yeah. of the first. Em- yeah, well, she was I one of the so first too. employees. But she was then managing at that point. All right. So, um, yeah, so when I, the first people would have been Linda. Who you never met? I don't remember. Victor. Vic, Victor commissioned me to, to do a painting of his dream with like with an angel in it. It was so so horrible. So horrible. <laughs> That's totally I, Victor. I was so I embarrassed about that painting. I gave him back half the money, half the money that he gave me mm-hmm. for it because I, I I didn't like what I'd done, and I and the deal was I gave him half the money back. But he had to swear, like, if anybody asked that I didn't do that painting. Because <laughs> I was so embarrassed yeah. about it. I think he liked the painting, but, like, I, I hated it. It was a horrible painting. That's <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was quite, a, quite a character, that Victor. Yeah, we had a lot of characters. A lot yeah. of crazy stuff happened. Well, yeah, Jay, Jay worked there. Like, yeah, he, had, he had some wing nuts, well, some real I, wing nuts. <laughs> working. I don't, you weren't there when Colin Catalis, who uh, now works with, he's at the College DuPage, mm. and he um, runs IT for the library there, uh. but he was leaving to go on tour with his band, and uh. he was the drummer, and we all held up lighters as he was leaving, and everything uh. was like, yeah, it was a huge scene there, like everybody, Darren, and there's tons of people that worked there. Like, well, yeah, and, and, and then eventually... So what, were you involved with, were you still involved when they opened that second, that Lincoln Park store? Yeah, I actually was against it. Okay. I was very against it, yeah. um, but um, I had taken on partners at that point, and yeah. I got ruled out, ruled down by the majority, and um, I felt like it was a really bad mistake. Yeah. Um, you mean like because it was just being stretched thin? Or stretched thin, and I didn't like the location. Yeah. Um. And I also voted down for the Oak Park one, too. Oh, there was an Oak Park one? Yeah, it was horrible. Huh. But at that point... Th- that, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, even remember. I had been minimized to a huge degree. But um, I disagreed with both retail development. I would have done yeah. things much differently. This is a thing that I've never, ever understood about business or, I guess, capitalism, is this idea that, like, if it's not growing, it's failing. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody just recently, I got to track this down. I think it was the New York Times. Some economist wrote something very recently arguing against this, that it's a flawed idea. And I've never... Ide- it, that it isn't a flawed idea? That it is. That, that, I would agree it that is That growth is not, like, you don't have to, like, grow. I've never understood why you get to a, a, a level that works, like, why staying there is not good enough. I mean, like, the, the counter-argument is somebody like, like Hot Doug. You know, like right. where he never worked more than he wanted to work. He he took every order in that restaurant and he would just close for like weeks. Right. Like he'd go on vacation. And then when he didn't feel like doing it anymore, he just closed the business. Okay, so like, I think like, I think you're I think it's totally um 
like this growth thing and, and what made me think of it is like being stretched thin like opening like franchises like because in every single case the qual like it's not the same quality like i remember getting the first time i ever had pizzeria uno it was franchised to boston mm -hmm. and it was really cool we never had pizza like that before but then i had it here it's a totally different pro it's a, in a completely different thing you know yeah. <laughs> like once it get it, it just becomes a factory yeah yeah, I think um, it's an interesting problem because I think most people that open businesses, yeah, or I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know this to be yeah. true. Uh, my hunch is that many people that open businesses love development and opening businesses. Yeah, they like opening. So, like, I remember at a certain point being so bored with Red Hen. like. Right. Because I was like, is this it? Like, I'm just going to manage everything now? Like, manage yeah. the books, manage the this, manage that. And I was, was it was it a similar feeling to the feeling you had when you didn't accept a job at Berghoff? A little bit. <laughs> Did you, but you you got to the point where you had made that thing yeah, that you, you, you didn't like. Yeah, you get to this point where you're like, yeah. I, I, okay, I'm done. Like, yeah. I don't, this isn't, this has nothing for me anymore. Yeah. And I think that that is, like, I like creation of yeah. stuff, but I don't like I don't like the long haul management of stuff. Like I've really realized that. So you have life. to be you have to have consistency, you have to repeat, repeat, repeat the same thing. Yeah, so that's a good opportunity to sell it to somebody or to move and, on and, and that's when the franchises up. happen and then it, it's not the same thing anymore. Well the, I her. think that's why they do happen, but what would be better is maybe to just sell it to somebody that wants to maintain it. Yeah. And move on, right? So that you're, or just let somebody else run it. Yeah. Walk away and just be a, a, a you know, a silent partner. I just, yeah, I don't get why it's considered like a failure to keep a thing at one level. Like if you've got a, a level that, like, money wise, I guess, or whatever. Right. Like why not growing is considered bad. You know. Yeah. And why not refine it? Like if you point. can make a living and you can keep getting some sort of something out of it. Like what I like, like what seems to me, like I've never had any interest in opening a restaurant, but like what's intriguing to me is something like Next, you know, like like where they change the whole menu, like mm -hmm. to tackle a different kind of, like, or, or schwa or something, you right. know, like a place like that, like as a creative person seems like that, I understand why that would be interesting, you know. Right, right. that's interesting. Yeah. You know, you're bringing up a really, there's a bakery called Hewn in Evanston, and they're, it's a really good bakery. And Yeah, you've taught, you've mentioned them. I still have never gone to that. But, but <laughs> so Ellen King and Julie run it, mm -hmm. um, they're partners. And um, what I think is good is that they've created a bakery where people can have a, a good, you know, wage, living wage. Mm -hmm. And they're asking you're supporting the whole system, right? They support yeah. farmers in Wisconsin, and Illinois, right. blah, blah, blah. So I think that they have a really good model for how to run a really thoughtful business mm -hmm. and maintain that. And I have a friend, Solvay, in, or, um, in Minnesota, same thing. Like she, they're not, they're not growing, yeah. but they can support, people are supported. They, they yeah. can support themselves and their families. They have insurance, all that kind of stuff. And... But yet they're not growing. Yeah. Like they're just running the business as it is, like you're saying, right? Yeah. And that there's something to be said for that. Whereas most of us want to just kind of keep growing. So what we end up doing is replicating or growing larger and maybe potentially losing this the kind of the soul of the business, if you will. Right. So it had, like Red Hat had grown bigger than it was like that you you didn't you weren't 
into it anymore because it was too big or like and there was all this i was too removed yeah yeah like because of the partner situation i was getting it was just it was getting too administrative for me i wasn't excited about where things were headed yeah um i felt like quality was decreasing at rapid rate um there's a lot of issues you know and i think um it was a lot to do with decision you know initial decisions i had made you know, yeah by bringing the people up you know like partner, partner partner yeah so um you know those are things that happen and you learn and you're like okay moving on you know I well yeah it was it was your first really your first business right or or well well my first business, business was a coat room the what my first business was a coat room really yeah i, I opened what, a coat what, room when i was 12 ah at the racetrack this is after after you'd given up your dream of write, writing the books. <laughs> yes, uh, I, books I want to talk six. about my success as a coat room y- entrepreneur. Yeah. That would that so was you had my, a coat room at at the track. I did. I I was you know I was sitting at the track and I was bored out of my mind because my dad mm. was working, and so I asked my dad if he yeah. would let me have this room that nobody was using, and yeah. would he ask the carpenters to cut the door so I could have like a oh because yeah it was it would be like a half door right he could yeah pass so he said that's pass. fine he would do that but I he wouldn't pay for anything else mm-hmm. so I I had to commit to coming in on Fridays and Saturday nights mm. and I would run a co room so I didn't even have hangers or anything no <laughs> so no. I literally would just take people's coats and paperclip a number to them with paper mm. and then give them a little paper slip and I would throw their coat on a chair. Like, it was wow. a bunch of chairs. And then my first, after the money, then I bought some hangers. Yeah. And then I bought some more hangers and I bought some numbers. Right. And so they entrepreneurial... I was paying 200 bucks a night. Wow. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah, you're the entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> Runs deep and goes way back with it you. It started with the coat room. How long did you run that? How, how long did the coat room? Well, go? it was really good. Um, yeah. I was a lot of cash, yeah. so um, I ran that till I was probably fourteen. Wow. Yeah, I would run it. I loved it, and my cousin. I talked my cousin into joining me, and we would get free soda. You know, any free soda and hamburgers and stuff from the kitchen. Ah. They would give us tons of food because you know everybody, all the wait staff loved us. Sure. But then they went and changed the layout of where the coat room was the opening and i was like that's not going to work oh no because the flow isn't the same yeah and when kind of changed... like what happened with the bakery exactly <laughs> and then i wasn't interested my sister took it over <laughs> and she was making like 30 bucks a night oh. and i was like yeah because the flow's all wrong it's all off you can't uh. they're not like but the reason why it was so successful is you had to walk past us to get into this huge dining room sure that had like yeah. 300 people so everybody walking in mm-hmm. would walk past us, and we would be like yelling, "Hey, check your coats! Check your coats!" You know, we're twelve. You know? Yeah, yeah. So we were we were you know working it, um, and we had a blast. Yeah, funny. So then you you get out of you get out of Red Hen, and is that when you start teaching? Or yeah, so I went to teach at Le Cordon Bleu, which was a huge, huge. Um, right, the Cordon Bleu. Yeah, it, which which was originally chic. Yeah, I remember okay, it was it was like in in like River North, right? Yeah, yeah. right near the paper source. Yeah, and, yeah, and Pearl, yeah. like where I worked. Yeah, exactly. Um, for for a bit, but yeah. When I started, there were nineteen pastry chefs teaching. Wow, it was crazy. Or not not when I started. When I when I um, maybe one year in, there was nineteen pastry chefs teaching. There were sixty chefs 
that taught there at one point. And that was because of the the foodie explosion, yeah. kind of really really starting to go. It was so fun. We had so yeah. there were so many interesting people in that faculty. Huh. Um, I had a blast, but we got paid very little. Yeah. So, um, anyways, yeah, that's when I had Sam. And uh, right. So yeah, what year was Sam born? Two thousand three. Okay. And I was still working with the bakery. I was just doing R and D, and I was just teaching. Yeah. Like I would go in and teach people on how to work, how to do the sheeter and that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but I was not happy, and they were not happy, and it was yeah. not good. Um, so anyway, so yeah, then uh, I taught there for ten years, and then went out to um, went out to uh, COD. Where you still are. Yeah. So yeah, when I was at uh, La Cordon Bleu, I started competing in chocolate and all that other stuff, like learning chocolate yeah. sculpture and sugar and doing all that kind of stuff. And traveling. you go? Do you go every year to France for that or that chocolate, or is that no. just every every it, once in a while? It was well for a while there. It was almost every yeah. year. It was like two thousand seven, eight, nine, and ten maybe. Mm. And then um, World Pastry Forum is the name of where this whole thing was going on, and. Um, they went out of business. Oh. So then they opened up, this other guy mm. um, opened up this thing called Pastry Live. And so I competed in that. And I competed twice in New York in like their Pastry Chef of the Year. Uh. Um, but we won, myself and Andy Shlavana, who um, is, he was on the World Cup team. We mm. won the chocolate, national chocolate thing. Mm. Um, yeah. And then... Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah. But meanwhile, but you're also doing. There's this other stuff. Like, what was the? There was some kind of mediation thing at some <laughs> point. When did that start? So after after. <laughs> because because you weren't busy enough with two children and yeah. and three jobs, you you needed more. I joined. Well, yeah, I I went and got a grad degree in conflict resolution. Where did that come out of? Is was that because of working in a stressful like? No, you know what? That was a result of Red Hen. I really That's what I mean. Like yeah. it was like a, as a response to re, like what well, you felt like you didn't you hadn't handled that like as or you wanted to learn something about how Exactly. Yeah, all of the above. I <laughs> I, I handled it poorly uh-huh. in many ways. Yeah. Um you know, as in life, you know, you you make this you do things and then you're like, "What was I thinking? Why didn't I do this? Why, you know, um so I was not yeah I was some some of it was confirmation I wanted confirmation of what I had done correctly mm-hmm. some of it was what I could do better in the future some of it was like purely trying that's to That's just... such a complicated problem because I mean you had business and family members involved exactly. right which gets really really fucking messy yeah. I mean you mix But most <laughs> businesses are like yeah, yeah, of, cor- of course, or, yeah. Or above in the United States are family businesses. <laughs> and like Loyola has a business institute, uh-huh. which is, um, you have to make, I think, over $5 million. And it's like this group of companies that get together and they have to be family owned and operated yeah. because it's such a big deal, like how to navigate all this stuff, you know? Yeah. It's really tricky. And do you, I mean, do you employ that or do you use that in any way or do you have jobs with it? Like, do you get gigs? How does no. that look? No, I, I Like had... a gunsling, you come into town and resolve some conflicts? <laughs> do the opposite of like a shoot 'em up Yeah. No, you know what's interesting is I, I, t- I did that and then my thinking was, 
I was just super interested in it. Uh-huh. And then my thinking was it will come in handy, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on the Bread Bakers Guild of America board, <laughs> and I think it does come in handy yeah. a lot. Like, any kind of conflict, which is everywhere, right? Like, yeah. All of us deal with conflicts in lots of different ways. I think... Um, so you get a bunch of hotheads in a room doing like deep breathing exercises or something to calm down. <laughs> it's all about like seeing the problem as a shared thing. Uh-huh. Right? Like conflict resolution is not seeing yeah. opposites, but it's uh-huh. seeing like we both have a vested interest in this one thing. We're just we're just seeing it in a different way. Right? So like if you and I had a conflict, yeah. we share that. Mm. So there's sharing going on. You already okay. have the groundwork for sharing. But it's then kind of navigating the language because yeah. so much of it's language, yeah, and how you talk, how you speak to each other. So it all goes back to those books with the, where you drew all those people <laughs> and <laughs> trying does. to figure out the relationship between all those people. Yeah, except <laughs> you're right. <laughs> find, just finding the words. So so what's so what's the dream in the future? So you you gonna just drop all of it and go back to painting? <laughs> what, I, I don't what do you know think? what I'm going to do. I'm doing this whole thing with, I'm trying to learn French right now. Really? Um, because I've got the study abroad stuff that I'm working on. Mm. You know, I ran the class to France especially. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to decide if, I don't know. I really don't know. I have a lot of, I have a couple different interests yeah. that I want to pursue. Um, I don't know. But I'm I'm definitely antsy. Yeah. Oh, to start up some kind of some yeah, some thing like, like a business or a. Well, the hard part is like my job is really good, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's as I say, it's it's part of the solution, not the problem. Yeah. Right. Like it's helping people. It's not a negative thing. I'm not. Con- but at the same time, I'm like, I really enjoyed being alone, studying something for two weeks when I was in France. Mm. I really, really. That was like something I haven't had since I was. You know, right. twenty, so or twenty-four. So mm. that it was really cool to have that experience of being without any dependence or anybody kind of yeah animals or the like requiring my attention. And I really, I really, I realized I really like studying. Like I like mm. learning. Yeah, you know? which was a cool thing to learn. You know, clearly, I mean, since you've studied so many different things but I don't I, I've never really taken the time to think do I like that do I like to because you know I'm just busy doing it mm-hmm. and so it was cool to, to be like wait this is like actually enjoyable yeah because you know? I think oftentimes we all well I, I know I do a lot of stuff and I don't even stop to think like do I even like doing this like stop and smell the roses as they say <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know yeah it'll be interesting to see once you know you're all your kids are off to do their own thing, like what what you'll do left to your own devices. Yeah, that will be interesting. Maybe I'll just sit in a catatonic state of. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom, you know, with nine kids, right? She said when she sent her her last off to kindergarten, mm-hmm. she was like, she had, she said to me, I almost um, slipped into a deep depression. Like, I right. would drop her off at kindergarten and I would go into my room and just read and go back to sleep she's a huge reader and yeah. she was like and that's all I wanted to do all day long so I wasn't I would just like 
sit in my room because I yeah. didn't know what to do. Because for raising nine kids, yeah. all you do is it's do. the same. Yeah. And then if you have some time, I imagine you won't have the same kind of problem because well, you've varied. Your professions have changed. Like you've had a variety of experiences, you know. Oh, for and, sure. And you didn't have nine children. Exactly. <laughs> you had no. two. Two. You had a normal, norm, <laughs> normal amount of children. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, for sure. <laughs> but I just think it's interesting when you have finally have some time. You know yeah. what people when you finally have a change or a break in something, and it's for everybody. Whether it's you know you've always been working or whether you've yeah. always been producing something. No time. Time. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's definitely it, it is the most valuable thing. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's what you know. I've been very very fortunate in the last few years not to really have regular jobs after you know after spending years and years doing like you know driving a cab for 50 60 hours a week you know and not to have to do that is just amazing yeah. <laughs> well it's interesting i'm reading i just got done reading this book four thousand weeks what's that and it's all about um the kind of finitude of life like uh -huh. time sure um but one of the things that he says is like time is not we don't have time uh -huh. Like and you know the idea that we it's an object almost is really interesting because we're actually we are time like mm -hmm. we are yeah. one and the same, which is really an interesting concept. That so four thousand weeks is what you have if you live to eighty. Oh for oh okay so well that's an interesting thing. I forget where who who first noticed it, but like you know the the change in in human development where the when. The, uh, we switched to clock time. Yeah, yeah. Because before clock time, it was just season. Like, mm -hmm. like people that like, if you were on a farm, you worked till the till the work was done. Like it was not. It had nothing to do with punching a clock. Exactly. It was industrialization that brought in like this whole idea of, like you know, and and then this idea of weekends. All this stuff came much. It has only been around a couple of hundred years or whatever, right. you know, like which well, is crazy to think about that there was a time before clock time. Right, and, and how we now yeah. now we're trying to slay time, yeah, like maximize your time, and it's sure. become this object that we now have to control. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah. nobody's going to control time. Time is well, and we're in a in an environment where every device that we've invented is measuring and subdividing this stuff mm -hmm. all the all the time mm -hmm. all, all these technologies are like and like trying to f throw more and more stuff in our faces you know to give us less and less time or consciousness of yeah. our immediate present moment yeah you know so like like every every new social network is into smaller and smaller increments so now we're at tiktok mm -hmm. which is i think the I think it's a, a minute is the longest you can do a TikTok, mm -hmm. but it's the most apparently data points. Like these companies can measure every time you basically blink, you right. know, your your habits in ways to market things to you and or learn from. Every every yeah, you like these hamster wheels get smaller and smaller and smaller that they keep putting us on, you know. Right. Yeah. But yeah, this this idea of like going against clock time is very very interesting to me. I don't know I don't know what it means exactly, but I like thinking about that. You know. Oh, I do too. There's something that opens up, and you're just like, oh my god, wouldn't that be amazing? Not to. Well, that yeah, that happened to me in a small way when I I quit social media, 
and smartphones Mm -hmm. suddenly it was like waking from a weird dream and there was like birds chirping outside and there's all this stuff to notice that I'd forgotten about Mm -hmm. because I'd done what everybody does with a smartphone which is refresh 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 you can't stop looking at it because that's what it's built for you know and not because I'm compulsive you know I could not do it and now I have a phone that there's nothing to look at it chirps if there's a text message, you know, right. which is not that often. I don't know that many people. It's good. <laughs> yeah, well, the the opposite of that is having a 17-year-old daughter who's on social media. Uh, uh, you know, you, uh, you watch it, and it's so hard to watch. Cause yeah. You're like, you are the product, you know. Yeah, uh, Wendy's daughter, uh, Sophia, is a, she just got a... Um, almost a free ride to NYU. She's going to NYU, which mm-hmm. is really bizarre. But she, uh, we, me and Wendy get we have coffee fairly regularly, and we talk about how like yeah, those people, those kids that age, like how stre- what a what a crazy their existence of like everything. How crucial it is, like how somebody comments on your post, mm-hmm. like how many, like whatever down to like a letter or like a an emoji or something everything is interpreted and reinterpreted it's like like reading the kabbalah or something like how many emojis left before in the if you don't leave for the right emoji then you're not friend like your status has changed right it's, it's well, fucked yeah it's, it's funny though because she told me that i'm really really aggressive with my text messages and mm-hmm. i said why am i aggressive and she's like you use punctuation like that is so aggressive mom yeah and i was like well it's a sentence i need to use punctuation she was like yes mom you don't understand when you put a period on something what that means for my it's generation fun. yeah, you yeah. Know? and i'm like that is so funny i'm like i'm, th- I'm writing a polite response to something she says yeah. and the way she sees it she's like i read it to my friends and they're like oh my god your mom is so out of control mm-hmm. and i'm like that is hilarious because i'm using commas and periods and yep yep different world different world Yeah, I I use complete sentences and texts. (laughs) Well, you're being aggressive. I know. No, but I I don't mind. I don't care. (laughs) I love hearing about all the new, uh, all the, the new expressions, like, you know, like Gucci or cringe or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. and they change so quickly, yeah. Well, you could get a direct line into that if you just spoke to B. She could give you all the direct Mm -hmm. access to yeah, I co-host this uh, this horror movie podcast with a millennial, you know, mm-hmm. my friend Mallory, she's 31, but she has nieces that are like, yeah. you know, B's age, and, and she already knows that like at 31, she's obsolete, she's yeah. obsolete, yeah, yeah. It, it changes so quickly, I think, I don't know, I don't know where it ends up, it, there, there's really, there's heartening, like, encouraging moments, like, I went to, to a, a concert, Italia Hall and it was all like teenager bands because it was a, a friend's kid mm-hmm. was in one of these bands and in the in the merch area you know where you sell t-shirts they're all making zines like like zines like zines from the days of like Kinko's mm-hmm. like cutting and pasting shit like oh not yeah. not on a computer right like that's what they're into because I think there's a real hunger for some kind of tangible experience right that they've never had because oh, they've, yeah. lived their, they've lived their whole life virtually through screens. And once they find something like a bookstore or like a record, you know, they get really excited. It's like a novelty. Well, know? B and I were talking about books, uh, um, coffee shops, right? Mm-hmm. 
we were talking about earwax, or was it was it earwax the one? That, sure, yeah, myopic and, earwax. Yeah, which yeah, that that guy's opened a bookstore in my neighborhood. The guy that started that bookstore. Oh really? Yeah. So he, called tangible books. Funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he that place, and she goes to this place, which is a bar. It's called the French Friendship Tap, and. Where is that? It's in like Berwyn. Oh, okay. It's in the Burbs. Yeah, well, and that's why. I so don't she know goes that. there because they have coffee, and so she and her friends. It's dark and dingy and everything. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you would have loved the the coffee houses that were yeah. around. Yeah, like dead plants on the side. You know, like all the books, all the stuff. Right. Sure. But that's like Urbis Orbis. Yeah, yeah. That's what she wants. She's like, why aren't there more of these? Like, this is what everybody in my generation wants. It's like to yeah. go to these places that are. And it's interesting because I'm like, oh my god, that was what our ex- whole experience was of coffee houses. Sure. You know, yeah. pre Starbucks or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting because it's kind of coming around. So yeah, I do agree that pe- they want like that authentic kind of, or what they perceive as like. What they perceive as authentic. Yeah, yeah. authentic. But you think about like bookstores, there's just not that many, you know, and it's so. It's, the only ones that are thriving at all are independent ones mm-hmm. because what, what they're able to offer is something that they can't get from the algorithm, you know? That that experience of having, just finding stuff, surprise, you know? Right. That you can't get from a screen, you know? It's much less efficient, but it's, it's the opposite of the algorithm, you know? Mm-hmm. How in a bookstore you can look at one one book cover and that'll lead you to the thing that's next to it and then you you know you look to the left and you find something else right you can't you can't replicate that in a virtual environment mm-hmm. yeah so that's what a bookstore or a coffee shop can offer right but yeah they they have to find that they have to discover that somehow as like this new exciting experience which is like just ancient mm-hmm. you know like when you're talking about it, I was thinking about Richard Branson's m- magazine called Student, that magazine. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's like it was like one of these first student magazines that was hmm. out. That's what led him to, to then create Virgin Records. Oh, okay. So before he created the whole Virgin Records, he had this student magazine, and they interviewed like, you know, James Baldwin, and they, yeah. they had like really hardcore interviews yeah. that were going on. And he was... So anyways, it just kind of reminded me of that, of like, that physical, like, you know, and, and even us with the reader, when it was so widely read, you know. Like, well, the reader was the internet. Right. Yeah. It was everything. Where yeah. you got your job, where you got your apartment, where you got everything. Everything, yeah. Know? So it's interesting, because I think um, there has to go back, you know, just like fashion, just like everything else, it will. I mean, I personally, I'm, I'm sort of. Uh, yeah, my, my my new daydream is to turn off the internet. Like, mm-hmm. but I can't. All the money comes from there for me. You know, like right. all like all of it. Even though what ends up happening is me painting a, somebody's pet portrait. You know, like that's tangible. It's still paint, but like it all comes through there. Pretty mm-hmm. much, that's the pass through. You know, that's the delivery system. But like, in my ideal world, it would be great to like, like check in like once a week or something, once a month. You know. Right. That would be awesome, but I can't I'm, imagine that. I'm 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 nowhere near that. Yeah. Uh, it just I could just feel like what when I don't have the screen on, it's just like a better experience, you know? Right. And there's not that an- anxiety, like you don't need to refresh anything, you know. The pace of it is is right for for a painter, you know. I, you know, and I'm still doing a thing that you know peaked in the whatever 18th century, 
so like a hundred, two hundred years before I was born. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big question I always have with painting. Is like, you know, how? <laughs> yeah. But it's I don't know. It's it's such an elemental human activity. You know, it's uh, people have been doing that since the caves. There's something, some kind of primal need. You know, sure. to deface a wall or like a piece of paper. You know, with your marks. You know. Mm -hmm. It's it's what taggers do. It's what it's a, it's all the same thing, you know. But you just like to say, you know, I was there or whatever. I don't think it'll ever go away. That you know, I mean the yeah the aesthetics of it change and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, when you when you open your new business, you know. Oh, I don't know if it'll be. We'll see. Like if it's a business, if there's a wall, I'll put up a painting in it. <laughs> if you let me. <laughs> You want to cut this off and go eat some pizza? Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>